Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 this morning. And I I hope you understand we're not trying to make light of anybody else's struggle right now. If If you have a need, these are just the four that have come before us in this week, and they've been very... Uh, pressing upon the church and the families of our church. And so we're not making light. There's so many that are ill right now. If you look around, you can see so many that are not here uh, because of colds and flus and such. And we're not making light of that. And so just uh, know that there will be more prayer requests going around. And and so continue to pray for one another, lift up one another. And uh, especially as we consider these few that have really uh, have some health issues going on right now. Um, as I appreciate Pastor Robert's prayer for me, but uh, you know, in light of everything going on, we feel so blessed that that uh, you know we have little minor things comparison, and and we thank the Lord for that, and um, what a blessing. And so uh, we are, my wife and I are leaving. We're going to miss the connection groups tonight. We're going down to the funeral for Dusty Leper. Um, that is Becky Clayton's husband who passed away uh, just two days before Christmas there and, and 38 years old and uh, still waiting on the autopsy report to find out exactly what happened. They're thinking maybe an aneurysm uh, that took his life so suddenly and so leaves a 10-year-old and 8-year-old boy and, of course, his wife of 13 years. And so let's, let's pray for the Clayton family and uh, we're going to travel down this afternoon as far as my wife's aunts in Kentucky and uh, have breakfast with her tomorrow, and then we're just in a couple hours from the funeral then at that time. And so and we'll be back Tuesday as quickly as we can, and so uh, we'll miss the holiday tomorrow, but we'll be back uh, Tuesday. And so uh, be in prayer for uh, that funeral as well. It's going to be very, very difficult for that young family. Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16. You know, I... I I'm just going to... I'll just share something candidly with you. I find... The, the holidays difficult in the sense of preaching. And what I mean by that is it's always wonderful to preach about Christ's coming. You know, that's wonderful. But I feel like sometimes you kind of get pigeonholed into a certain topic. You feel like you have to preach a certain way. Father's Day, you got to preach on dads or the family. And Mother's Day, you got to preach on that. And, and, you know, resurrection, wonderful. I could preach resurrection every Sunday. Wouldn't that be wonderful about our Christ that rose from the grave? And, and Christmas, I enjoy preaching Christmas. And, and, uh, but, you know, New Year's is a difficult one. And so sometimes I just preach kind of the theme for the next year, maybe. I'll get kicking off with that. But I, I looked up in the Bible. I was curious... We often make New Year's resolutions, don't we? Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? Anybody ever done that? Raise your hand if you've made a New Year's resolution. How many of you, honestly speaking, tell the truth, have kept it for the whole year? Has anybody done that? All right, Betsy does. She's the only, the only one that lies in the whole church right there. No. <laughs> I'm teasing you, Betsy. How many of you ladies will resolve not to eat chocolate next year? Yeah, my wife would kill me. <laughs> Can you imagine some of these resolutions we make? It's, sometimes it's an easy thing, right? It's just something that, yeah, I, I made a resolution. I kept it. And uh, it's just something so simple. But there's some hard ones. How many of you resolve you're going to lose weight or exercise more? That's a tough one, isn't it? I, I think we often do that. And then what do we do on January 1st? We eat junk food all day. That's what we do. We kind of start out bad. And uh, so resolutions. So I looked in the Bible. And I thought, is there such a thing as making resolutions in the Bible? And I looked up different forms of the word, and the word resolution doesn't appear at all. But the word resolve does, only one time 
in the entire word of God, and it's in Luke chapter 16. And so I just began to read it. I wasn't thinking about a sermon or anything like that, but I thought, wonder what it says about having resolve or making a resolution. And so let's look together at Luke chapter 16, and, and the Lord began to lay a message on my heart. You know, when we make resolutions, when we make resolutions, it's about change, isn't it? Just think about that. Think about all the resolutions you ever made in your life. It's about wanting change to take place. You, you, wanna, you go on a diet, why? Because you want to change your waistline, right? You want to wear a smaller outfit next Christmas. That's what you're hoping for. You, you uh, maybe change your diet because you want to be healthier, you, you wanna get, you're tired of getting out of breath going up the stairs, and so you're, you're exercising for change. And so whenever we make a resolution, it's, it's obviously because we want to change something in our lives. How many of you might resolve, I'm going to read my Bible more? There, there's, a, there's a little slogan for you, a bumper sticker. I'll read my Bible more in 2024. How's that? Wouldn't that be a great resolution? How many of you know if you do that, you will change? Because as you look into the glass of the mirror of God's word, we are changed from image to image to be more like Jesus Christ. And so that would be a great resolution, but all of our resolutions mean we want change. If we don't make a resolution, and I'm not saying you have to or you should, but if for somebody who says, I'm not making a resolution, we're basically saying, I'm just happy the way it is. I'm good. I don't necessarily need a change. In Luke chapter 16, we read the story of the unjust steward. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ is telling this story, and I believe it to be a parable, and he draws some principles at the end out of that parable about this unjust steward who realized because of his failings he needed to make a change, and so he resolved something. And so let's look together in Luke chapter 16. The Bible says, and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig and to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. Then he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then said he to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for the word of God, and we pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to focus upon your words at this hour, Lord, that we might learn from them, and Lord, if, if anybody in this room chooses to make a resolution, that they, they might make a biblical resolution, that they might have a resolve in their life to do more for Christ than ever before, that they might search uh, their heart to, to, to examine whether or not they are following the Lord like they ought to be. Lord, we see in the story of the unjust steward that he had been trusted with something. 
Lord, we're all trusted with something. And moreover, is found in stores that are, it is required in stores that a man be found faithful. Lord, may we be faithful of what you've given us. But from this unjust steward, we can learn some principles today, and I pray that you would apply them to our hearts. Oh God, I pray that you would fill me with thy Holy Spirit as I surrender to you. Speak to our hearts. May the Spirit of God teach each one of us. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I promised you I would be brief this morning so that we could pray. I want you to just give you very quickly a brief outline. And then from that outline, I'm going to give you some principles that we can follow that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us at the end. And so let's, let's look quickly and just jump into the scripture without much more introduction. I want you to notice, first of all, the report that we notice in verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no, be no longer steward. It seems that this rich man may have had several stewardships. The Bible says that one of his stewards in particular, who lived in a home and took care of that place and used the money of his master to be lent out to others and the goods of his master to be given to others, perhaps it was farmland because the Bible talks about wheat and, and oil that would come from olives and such. And, and so perhaps he managed his land for him and, and, and as he was a steward of those things, things began to fall apart. He wasn't a very good manager of the wealth of his master. And so we see a report comes back to him. The Lord says, there's been an accusation come against you and you have wasted all that has been given you. So we see, first of all, the accusation in verse one and we notice from the words of the scripture that it says he, it was a loss because he was corrupt. A loss because he was a corrupt man. The Bible says in verse eight, he was an unjust steward. That word unjust in the Greek means he was unrighteous in all of his doings. He was a morally corrupt man. He did not handle another person's money well. You know, it's fun, isn't it, when we get to spend money? You know, it's more fun spending somebody else's money. Isn't that more fun? How many of you got a gift card for Christmas? Isn't that fun when you get a gift card? Because that's somebody, I mean, that's somebody else's money. You can just go blow that. You can have fun with that. Your wife cannot criticize what you buy because you got a gift card. Amen? And, and so we enjoy spending somebody else's money. And that's what this man did. But the Bible says he wasted it because he was a corrupt man. It was a loss because he was corrupt. But we see it was a loss because he was careless. The Bible says there in verse 1, he had wasted that word wasted is the same word that we find in the Bible about winnowing the wheat. And they would take that wheat in, in a big basket and they'd throw it to the air and the chaff would blow away. And that's what this word wasted means, to be dispersed by the wind. Just to be blown away. How many of you had kids that weren't very good with money? They said, what would you do with that $100 that you had? What did you do with that $500 you had? And they cannot give account for it. Well, they blew it on McDonald's and they went to, you know, they went to this ball game and they blew money there and bought a $30 hot dog and all these things and, and they've got nothing to show for it at the end of the day. That's what that word wasted means. That it was just dispersed to the wind. The man could not give an account. 
And so we see in this report that came back, there was an, an accusation that was made, and it was because he was corrupt, and because he did, was careless, and because he did not watch carefully, the rich man's goods were gone, and the man failed. We see an accusation, but then we see an accounting in verse 2. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account. How many of you know that we'll all give an account unto God? God has also trusted us with certain things, and we are to be stewards of those things. The Apostle Paul said that he was thankful to God that he was put in trust of the gospel. Every last one of us who know Christ as Savior have been trusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are going to give an account for those things that God has given us and trusted us with. You know, the Bible says that we'll give an account of even every idle word that proceeds out of our mouth. We are responsible and we will give an accounting one day just like this man gave an account. It means to give an answer for. There is a reckoning that is coming. And then we see at the end of verse 2, there's an aftermath or a, 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 a cautionary tale, if you will. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. When he said to give an account, he meant it's time to settle the books. Your job is finished. You may no longer be a steward. There's a good lesson for us there that what God trusts us with, if he can no longer trust us, perhaps he will take it away. So we see, first of all, the report. In verse 3, we notice the resolution. Of course, as we think about resolutions today in the new year, we see a resolution in the Bible. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. This man understood that his circumstances had changed. And when he made a resolution and he said, I am resolved, it was driven by circumstance. All of a sudden, here he was finding himself. He says, I cannot dig. I, I can't work with my hands. I maybe had a health issue. Maybe he had a laziness issue. I don't know. But he said, I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I need to make this right somehow. I need to change my circumstances that, that my master may forgive me or in the very least, since I'm being put out of my home, I'll be taken into somebody else's home. So his resolve came as a direct result of being driven by his circumstances. You know, it was possible that he was just strolling through life thinking everything's fine. The farmers are farming the fields. Those that are working the vineyards are taking the grapes and crushing them into wine and making juice and there's those that are taking care of the olives and without careful attention, he wasn't realizing that everything was falling apart. But you know, difficult circumstances often push us to reevaluate our life's decisions. And that's what happened with this man. A difficult circumstance caused him to reevaluate his life's decisions. He had to take a look back you know what else happens once in a while? We have a milestone birthday, don't we? And we go, what have I done with my life? We look back and sometimes with regret. 
How many of you ever done that? You, you turn 50 or 60 or 70 and go, wow, did that ever go fast? Life just is a vapor. The Bible says so. Sometimes we come to a new year and we look back and go, wow, 2023 is gone already. What have I done for Christ? I follow an evangelist by the name of Scott Pauley. Scott Pauley is just a great gospel preacher. I enjoy so much his wisdom. I and mean, often preaches to our young people at Heritage Baptist Church at the, at the teen retreat. And, and next year at the Man Up Conference, he'll be right here at Bethel preaching and looking forward to hearing from Brother Pauley. And every day on Twitter, he'll say, day 235 has passed. What will you do for Christ in day 236? And then every Sunday he'll say, week 42 has passed. What will you do this week for Christ? It's just a subtle reminder we don't get time back. What will we resolve to do from this point on? I rarely have heard anybody say, wow, 2023 is over. I hope I have another year just like it. Most people say, what a horrible year that was. Because we look at things so negatively sometimes. I remember going through COVID and people were just, oh man, what a horrible. And I said to my wife, I've got food on my table. I got a roof over my head. I'm blessed. We're good. Sometimes we get so caught up in so many other things that just don't matter. And our focus gets taken to the things of this world and what everybody else has and Listen, if, if you look back on 2023 and you find something genuinely that is wrong, let me encourage you, make a resolution. Resolve that from this point forward, there's going to be change in your life because the circumstances were not such that were beneficial to your spiritual growth. So we see the, it was directed by circumstances, but he had a genuine desire to change. The realization that his choices led to him being homeless created a desire to change his life. Let me ask you this. Where are your decisions leading you? The choices you are making, where are they taking you? Because every choice you make has a consequence. It might be good, but it might lead you down a very dark path. Where are your choices leading you? This man, because of his carelessness and his laziness, made some choices, and it led to him being homeless and without his stewardship any longer. So he made a resolution. His failures and his future led to a new resolve. Notice the third thing. We see his recovery in verse 5. I'm just trying to give you the outline very quickly. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, a hundred measures of weed. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. I want you to notice the change that took place because of his resolve. Number one, he began to serve his Lord. He began to serve his Lord. Up until this point, he'd been serving self. 
He'd been living comfortably. He admits himself, I cannot dig. I'm not a hard worker. I don't want to beg. I've been living in this man's house and stewarding his goods and taking care of his fields and his investments. And boy, I've been living the high life. But now, if I want to see change take place, I need to start serving in the best interests of my Lord. I need to serve him first. And so he goes out and he finds him and he says, what do you owe? And he says, tells him what he owes. He says, all right, take a bill and write 50. Give me half. And to another, how much do you owe? And he says, no, give me 80%. And he, he begins to recoup some of the money. And I don't believe that the master wanted everything back. He just wanted to see a return on his investment. So now as he receives the return come in, he is commended. So he began to serve his Lord The context of this entire passage I've not read yet because I'm saving it for the end, but look at verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Up until this point, he had been serving mammon. He'd been just reaping the benefits of this luxurious lifestyle with no benefit to his Lord. But now he decided he would serve his Lord. So he goes and he begs on behalf of his Lord and he settles some of his accounts. So he began to serve the Lord and secondly, he began to see his life change. The Bible says in verse eight, because he had done wisely for the children of this world and their generation. wiser than the children of light. He was commended because he began to make good decisions. And what is the result of all this? Verse eight, read it together. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. He was commended. I don't know if he got his stewardship back. The Bible doesn't say. I don't know if all was forgiven and the Lord gave him a second chance. I don't know. This is a very purely business sense. But here's what I do know. I have a Lord who forgives. And with changes that we make today and the choices that we make, listen, isn't it wonderful? There's a great scripture in the Bible that says this, this too shall pass. We look at that and say, well, you know, these sufferings and these trials and these hard things, they'll come to pass. But so do the good things. You had a good year? It'll come to pass. It's over. What will you do from now on for Jesus Christ? Day 365 is coming to an end. What will you do with day one for Jesus Christ? Now let me give you some concluding principles. Here's really where we'll find out what the Lord wants. You know, we would never normally look at an unjust steward as an example, but the Lord Jesus Christ uses him as an example. You know, everybody in this room can be an example a good one or a bad one. And we see a bad example today who changed his life by making a good resolution, a resolve to change and how the master was pleased. And notice what the Lord says. First of all, what were his steps towards change? Let me give you those three things and we'll be done. Number one, surrender. Surrender. You have to decide who your Lord is. Pretty simple. You say, well, I, I, I know who the Lord is. 
Do you? Who do you serve? Have you surrendered to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord? Everything you have is by his mercy. Let me ask you this. Some of you came in this morning. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. This isn't about this. Don't, don't think that way. And you dropped something in that offering box back there. Maybe you got a paycheck on Friday. And you looked at that and you said, okay, I'm going to give a portion to the Lord. And you put that in the offering box back there. Let me ask you this. When you looked at that paycheck, how much of that belongs to the Lord? A lot of times we say 10%. No, all of it belongs to the Lord. You are stewards. You are blessed that he lets you keep 90%. What are you doing for God? You own a business? How much of that business belongs to the Lord? Everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Who is the Lord of your life? This, this last week, we've had, Matt and Emily were here. And that means Theo. And I'm not, this is a funny thing, all right? I'm telling you the truth. I'm not preaching now. I'm telling the truth. Listen, <laughs> that was a joke. Come on. I've got this watch that checks my breathing, how, how many breaths a minute I take. And it checks my heart rate and all that. Last, I just got a report this morning that my breaths per minute, my respiratory rate, and my breath rate have both decreased by 10% over the last week. That's the Theo effect. Boy, them, them grandkids, they're just like uh, the bomb of Gilead almost. I mean, so much fun. You would think the opposite is true. You think they'd put your blood pressure up, but no. Now my blood pressure will go up because he left. Leaves a void in your life. But you know what I've noticed a lot of times? Sometimes our family is our Lord. We will rearrange our schedules for family, but not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is your Lord? Sometimes our job is our Lord. Making the almighty dollar. I'm just trying to say, if you want to make a positive change in your life in 2024, you need to decide who your Lord is. You need to surrender. And then once you surrender, you need to serve. This steward was going through life and just floating along, and maybe he thought, you know, everything's good. Until he got a letter from the Lord. He said, I need an account. Where's all my money? Where's all my goods? Where's all the things I've trusted you with? Why is there no return? What are you doing? And he sat down and he said, write a bill for my Lord. I'm going to start serving my Lord. He had to get through his head that it wasn't about him, it was about somebody else, that he was only there by the grace of another. And once he decided who the Lord was, he began to serve him. And he went from place to place in verse 5. And he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto them, or unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? He began to serve the interests of another. You want to be happy? 
You need to surrender and you need to be serving. Once you sort out who the Lord, listen, it is a pleasure to serve those whom you love. But once you decide who the Lord is and surrender, it'll be a pleasure to serve him. But let me give me one more thing. Be steadfast about it. Be steadfast. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Be steadfast. The Lord implores us to be faithful. Look at verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have, got, uh, ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust in true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? You remember what I asked before I began? I asked with a, a purpose in mind. How many of you made resolutions and many hands went up and how many of you kept and only Betsy has ever kept a resolution? Do you know why we don't keep them? We're not steadfast. We're just not faithful to it. Boy, it's, it's hard. I'm gonna tell you, it's hard being on a diet when you're 200 yards from a KFC and they blow that smell right at the church. You walk out in the parking lot someday and they've just brought the chicken out of that fryer. Oh, you can smell it. That temptation hits and faithfulness goes out the window. Some of us are gonna make resolutions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, Pastor. I'm gonna surrender. That's, this is what the Lord is teaching us in this passage. That's what this parable is about. That we might surrender to the Lord and we might serve him but we must be faithful about it. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and say, Pastor, I, I, I need to get my heart right with God and I'm, I'm gonna be busy about the Lord's work and I'll be at church on Sunday and I see him for about two weeks. Pastor, I wanna help in that ministry. I'm gonna take up the mantle of that other godly man or woman that's gone to heaven and I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna be a man of God and I'm gonna be a woman of God. And they do it three or four times. Well, you want to you measure your faithfulness? Join the bus ministry. Boy, if you can stick with the bus ministry, you'll stick with anything for the Lord, I'll tell you. That's hard. That's hard. When, when it's 20 degrees below zero and you're bouncing around on a bus that has no heat and you're running up to doors to get those kids and they answer the door and they're not ready, oh man. But great is your reward in heaven. Are you going to be faithful? Can I, let me just say, don't, don't make a resolution if you're not going to stick with it. I'm not talking about resolution Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to brush my teeth every day and I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about spiritual things. If you're going to resolve today to read your Bible, be faithful about it. If you're going to resolve today to surrender and serve the Lord, be faithful about it. If there's something God's put upon your heart and you're willing to say today, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do and I'm going to follow him and serve, be faithful, be steadfast because it's required. It's not a suggestion. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight.
Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. That is the greatest resolution you could ever make. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts today. Help us to be a people of resolve, to faithfully carry out the work of God. There are some here today that need to recommit their lives and surrender to the Lord. I'm so thankful that this unjust steward didn't just go off into a horrible life, but instead he decided to make some change and get it right. Because in that we see the grace of our Lord. We see how the master commended him, the Lord commended him, and we know that in a parable there's a spiritual truth there that we have a gracious Savior. And as we come to this altar and we come to this time of invitation today and we come to this time of prayer and we say, Lord, forgive us for being slothful and forgive us for being careless, forgiving us for being unfaithful stewards, May we hear the whisper of God that says, what will you do now? Will you surrender? Will you serve? Will you be steadfast? Oh God, speak to our hearts. Father, there's some in this room today that we have prayed for that they want to know that those who say to them, I'm praying for you, will be steadfast in that prayer that they'll pray daily, that they'll commit their lives to holiness that their prayers might be heard because it's the fervent prayers of a righteous man that availeth much. Lord, we are living in a day where I believe you could come at any moment and may we be found faithful. Speak to us now, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed. If God has spoken to your heart, would you step out and come? But take it seriously. Don't make a resolution before the Lord. Understand, when we resolve before the Lord, we are making a covenant with God. Maybe you'd like to come and just pray for some of these that are not well, for the doctors, for wisdom, for their bodies, for healing. Let's pray.